Hello there. Welcome to the Heavy Hole. My name is Tom. My name is Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle... Uh, what's up, J-Wall? How you doing? Check it out. <laughs> yes, because we are recording on 420, and we did that, allegedly. All right? Uh, Will smoking That's that so... legal gas station CBD. That's Ooh, so boy. good. I, I watched like three or four RVD and Sabu matches today, so I got my weed kicking. I don't know what All you good. guys are talking about. I was just changing the filter on my fish tank for my frog, uh, allegedly, just now. Um, <laughs> how you doing? Uh, not so bad. Uh, I'm, you know, considering the way the country's going and everything that's happening, I am doing pretty well. So, no complaints okay, okay. over here. Glad yeah. I'm checking in on you. I want right. to make sure you guys are all right over there. It's good. I'm just I'm just here doing cowboy shit. Right? Oh, boy. There we go. <laughs> just, just, just cowboy things that we got going on over here. Uh, you know, you, <laughs> just keep your toilet paper to yourselves. That's all I'm saying. It's a it's a race to the sound effects right now. <laughs> Mine's coming later. So what was going on over the weekend, guys? Fill me in. Nobody uh, went anywhere, I hope. <laughs> Nobody oh, had man. to leave the house, I hope. Yeah, uh, no. Got, I, I went food shopping this weekend. Mm. I uh, my my business of choice to support uh, in these times, I go to Macanasian Farms over uh, on oh, in Northport. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, nice nice local farms. And I, I went out there yeah. on, on Saturday, waited out, you know, in, in the rain and the cold, spent about 45 minutes online. They're doing pretty good over there. They let one person in at a time. Wow. Uh, All right. You know, they got a nice little selection, you know, one of everything, fresh produce, fresh chickens, all this kind of stuff. And I, I, uh-huh. when, I when it was my turn and I got in there, it was like, Supermarket sweep, just going in, grabbing mm. stuff. Because I know I know people yeah. are waiting out in the rain, and I don't like that. So I'm I'm spending as, as little amount of time as possible, picking up some chicken wings, picking up some uh, you know leeks, uh, some some Japanese sweet potatoes, and 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 getting myself all right for the next coming week of, of chefing it up. Okay, I like that. I like that. You're eating healthy, supporting the local business. I'm familiar with the Macanation Farm. I know you're not making it up. Good, yeah. good for you, Jay Wolf. <laughs> there you go. And then it, when man. you're waiting outside, those those sheep are just yelling at you. It's, it's, yeah, they got the, the little animals there. It's like relieves stress. It's like a pet therapy type of vibe. I love yeah, it, man. Exactly. I, I, I got to get over there, man. But I'm not going to go on a weekend like you. I'm going to go on like a Tuesday morning early when there's nobody that's, there. That's what you got to that, do. That's, that's right. been my whole thing, man. Tom, how you holding up, man? You're in the dark over there. We, I, I, I can see you on Skype now. We're officially high tech, and you're in the dark. I'm a little worried about you, um, I, I prefer the dark now. This is how I live. <laughs> Tom is officially I, I, going I, too, have a penchant for the Blade movies, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you don't have to be an, uh, an Instagram influencer vampire to like the Blade movies. This is this just in. So. Yeah. And, uh, uh, no, know, no. I, I'm sorry. Big shout to Sticky Fingers for trying to hold down the, the role of Blade in the uh, short-lived television series. He did his best, all right? Yeah, shout out to him. Um, yeah, there you go. I, uh, what did I do? I finished a video game. I finished the South Park Fractured Butthole game. Yikes. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, just ale- allegedly. I, that, uh, is that a thing? What? Yeah, it's called. It's a video game called the Fractured Butthole. 
Oh boy! It's, actually, it's pretty cool. I, they um, I, I need a drink. <laughs> originally, <laughs> the game was supposed to be called Asshole of Time, but yeah. uh, the developers and the publishers went back to Matt Stone, Trey Parker, and they said, "Hey, uh, Target and Walmart and all these other big companies like Best Buy, they're not going to carry this if it's called that." So uh, oh, that's what they told you. They didn't that? tell you that you need. They didn't tell you the real reason. That's what they told you. Because you know, Unique Leader Records came in with the legal team and told them it sounds too close to Time Traveler's Dilemma. Oh, That's true, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I digress. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it, though. Yeah, it's a fun RPG, I guess. You know, playing some games. I'm playing. I'm, I'm practicing riffs like a motherfucker. Playing there lots of riffs. All right. There you go. All right. So good, man. What, 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 what variety of beer koozie is that? I see through through the Skype. Tom. I have a collection of koozies. This is one of my favorites. This is the Outback. Steakhouse oh, wow. koozie. Look at that. All right, you, you're almost there. Yeah. You, I, it, you, it, you can almost smell the blooming onion from here. Yeah, shout out to the old um, Outback and the, the Big H that has been shut down. That's right, rest time now. Yeah, you, you know you're old school Huntington if you call it the Big H. They mm -hmm, tried to right. change it to the Big K when Kmart was there, and nobody bought into that if you were really from Huntington. It's the Big H. I'm holding out for the town meeting when uh, they're deciding what to do with that, that old Kmart. Man, I'm really hoping for a roller rink. Yeah, I was I hoping for a bigger Outback. Do you? I, I, <laughs> yeah, that would be sick. I'm a few years older than you guys. Do you remember the handball court that's right up there, uh, or used to be up there, I guess? Uh, yeah, there used to be a big handball court with the Dysfunctional Society mural uh, graffitied up there with a, a man pouring a 40-ounce bottle over a pyramid. You remember? That it was a big mural there uh, right by the Big H for many years. I'm, that I'm going back. just south of the Big H, right? Yes, yes. Okay, yeah, I remember that. I, I didn't spend I any now time it's there. The, uh, now it's the community garden, I believe. Okay, that, yeah. In that, in that That's area. before my time. I didn't come into Huntington until about 2001, 2002. Mm -hmm. Okay. Fuck, uh, you, you're, you're, you're for better off. Better off for that, <laughs> sir. Listen, we're, we're traveling time right now. We're going back and forth through time through the early 90s to today. Um, we're traveling space and time in this conversation, and we're about to get somebody on the phone uh, who can help us and join us and keep speed with this segue that we're taking through time. Tonight's special guest is none other than Michael Stevens, one of the founding members of the band Time Ghoul. Um, hey. also, also currently keeping it real with his project, Grevlar, and we're going to talk all about it with him when we get him on the horn in a few minutes, okay? And, and, and a, it's just a matter of time. Wow. Man, so many segue words, hot wow. words. All right, hot let's words. get him on. Let's go. I'm a hot boy in the words of juvenile. Thank you. Hey, this is Will from Heavy Hole Podcast. I've been uh, emailing you and messaging you. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. How you guys doing? Oh, awesome, man. And I'm just going to introduce you uh, real quick. We got um, my co-host, Tom. Hey, man. How are you doing? And, uh, and Justin. How's it going? Uh, thanks, for, yeah, thanks for being with us tonight. If you're ready, we have a whole lot of questions. Uh, we just want to start from the beginning, brother. That's fine with me. Go for it. <laughs> All right, man. 
Um, uh, you know, as I mentioned in our little intro, uh, you're obviously one of the founding members of Time Ghoul, and you currently have your project Grevlar, and we have a lot of questions pertaining to all of that. But um, I know Time Ghoul is from uh, Missouri. Um, is is that uh, where you're from originally? Yes, I uh, I lived in St. Louis. I grew up in St. Charles County, basically, a suburb of St. Louis, all my life. And I just recently moved about five years ago up here to Iowa for a job. So I, I lived there my whole life. I never left until I was, what, 40-something years old. <laughs> mm, wow. So, yeah, that was where I lived. Yep. I lived there, and uh, Jeff lived there in St. Charles County with me, and that's where we met in high school at Francis Howell High School there in St. Charles County. Are you from a particularly musical family? Is there Were there musicians in your family? Yeah, well, you're not metal. <laughs> Just to get this clear, I'm 52 years old. I'm no young chicken here. But my mom played guitar, and she played um, two songs most of the time, and I sang with her when I was a kid. It was... I saw the light by, I believe, Hank Williams Sr. and uh, some other song. Hey, good looking, what you got cooking? Or I love both of those songs. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I, uh, I just recently played them songs with my kids and said to my mom, because my mom gave me her old guitar that originally she played music with me. So that is what I, um, yeah, that's how I kind of got into music. I mean, and I had an aunt that was in the bluegrass and sang and the Illinois State Fair. She's passed away now, but yeah, she was a nice lady. Anyway, that's how I got my start interested in music, and believe it or not, my mom let me have Houses of the Holy, a Led Zeppelin album, when I was real young, and then I think I got Led Zeppelin too, and um, that kind of just moved me into music more, and it was just, that's what got me into music, really. And I didn't get a guitar until later, though. I can get to that now, or I can wait till later to answer that one. Yeah, yeah, that's where I'm going is um, your experience with guitar, and I, I assume guitar was your first instrument then. The only instrument, I have, well, not the only, but that was my first instrument, yes. Um, I basically was working at McDonald's. I worked, I was, as soon as I got old enough to drive, you know, my parents were, they, they, they pushed me out there. You want a car, you work. So I went to McDonald's, <laughs> got a job, got a, got a job, and so I could pay the insurance on my car buy all the tapes and stuff that I eventually wanted. I was working at McDonald's. They had a show on Monday Night Metal, but it was on Tuesday night or something. I don't know. It was really <laughs> weird. <laughs> they played Whiplash from Metallica, right? I know everybody hating on Metallica now. They can kiss my ass, right? Um, I, I, I heard that song. I'm like, whoa, what is that? You know, because I always gravitated towards Achilles Last Stand from Led Zeppelin or Black Sabbath or something. Some of the heavier, older rock songs, you know? And I'm like, I really never heard nothing quite that crazy to me. I mean, I know it sounds, I mean, a lot of people hating on now, but I don't care. That's what I heard. And I'm like, wow, that is amazing. So me going out and buying that Whiplash EP, which they come out after Kill 'em All, and then they come out with Ride the Lightning, and then that led me to destruction creator you just just keep going all these there was no death metal back then they didn't even have a word and they led me to all these extreme bands and man I just had to get a guitar you know <laughs> this is fun <laughs> I, I gotta try to I gotta try to do this so I grabbed a guitar and man I didn't know what the heck I was doing there was no internet there was nothing showing me what to do but I just grabbed and started beating the heart beating the hell out of it and then eventually I met Jeff and 
he started getting into guitar and we basically that's how time goes started at first for years it was probably 80 i'm saying 87 late 87 88 i think i graduated from high school before we actually i graduated in 86 before we actually started trying to make music and it was just me and jeff for years just making songs, making up riffs, playing D and D, that kind of stuff. He was really into D and D. In fact, wow. the song "Gut Spawn" is a dungeon he took us through. That song, <laughs> the lyrics are an actual dungeon campaign that we went through. Uh, oh my was, god! He had a great mind, man. I I don't know what he's doing now. Unfortunately, I don't think he's really into the music. I mean, I listen to it, but I don't think he's involved in wanting to do music. But man, he. He had a creative lyrically and vocally and everything. I, I could never do that. I was, I still don't really get into my lyrics. I try, but you know, that's why the last gravel I put out, there ain't a lot of, I, some of the songs are all instrumental because I just got, I ran out of ideas, man. But anyway, yeah, he was very creative and we just met and he got any more questions, I'll shut up here. <laughs> no, I don't want you to shut up, but there's so much right there that I want to talk about, man. Uh, first of all, Something we what 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 was your first guitar? What brand and what model was that? If you remember, <laughs> you want to know, huh? And I wish I still had it. I wish I still had it, dude. I hated it. It was a piece of shit. But it was a Baldwin. It was a ball. Get this Baldwin who makes pianos. It was a Baldwin made in England, and it sucked for metal. So I destroyed it. Once I got me a crappy West Tone or something, I don't know what it was at first. I think it was a West Tone. I still got it, I believe. Yeah, it was that West Tone. Red West Tone. Once I got that, it had a humbucker in it. And I was like, that's cool, you know, got more crunch, whatever. I destroyed the guitar, but I still had it until not too long ago. And and I realized it was worth over $1,000. I'm like, wow. I just totally <laughs> didn't know that, you know. Yeah, at the time, I paid nothing for it. What an oddity. I've never heard of a Baldwin guitar. Yeah, they, they made them in England. It was the one made. Now they might think they have a cheap knockoff. You know how China bought everything. But anyway, maybe some other country. I don't remember. But anyway, there was a Baldwin made in England. And, and it was got a couple humbuckers in it and some kind of weird Rezo tube whammy bar. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't really get much metal out of that thing. I had some homemade distortion pedal some guy sold me with it. I don't know how he made it, but it, it sounded terrible. But the original, when we started recording Time Goal, I had gotten a Charvel, American-made Charvel, with the last yeah, Active yeah. Electronics. Me and Jeff both played those with yeah. the Active Electronics. And that's what we used, and we used Ampeg solid-state amps. Oh, the uh, and 502? I don't remember the name of them, but they were when they first came out. They were solid state; they weren't tube. Right. And we we scooped the mids, and we. This is funniest thing you ever heard. We we used dirty strings because because the um the strings when they were new they they just they were too clanging and we only tuned to you know E flat so we we didn't know enough. we just didn't know what we were doing we just tuned to E flat because Metallica did right and so we. Um, we had we played with dirty strings, trying to get a more dirtier, grimy sound. I guess we succeeded. <laughs> when we went in the studio, the guy was like, "Oh, you know," he put the mics up. He's like, "You guys gotta have more mid your sound." And Jeff was like, "No, we're not having no more mids." So I think he put it in in the mix, and I think that's what gives it a weird sound. That demo is just strange. I don't think you can reproduce it. It'd be difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Um, 
And and just be, before we get into that demo, man, you mentioned something else close to my heart, man. You mentioned Dungeons and Dragons, and it seems like that was a, a big, uh, uh, like a, a common thing that the band did besides playing music together. We played D and D quite a bit. Yeah, he was. Gel- we were we were really into that at first, and then kind of time or you know, it takes a lot of time to play that game, man. The old school. Yeah. Game. So we kind of got into the music more, but yeah, we always kept that D and D, that science fiction, that fantasy type things in our lyrics. And um, and it and, and Jeff wrote all the lyrics, of course, and he was much better at that kind of stuff. And that's how we started the lyrical way, you know, because I I'm always been, you know. I was raised a little conservative, so I wasn't into that, you know. I, I wasn't into the satanic part of metal. I never have been. I never will be, probably. I mean, I get more of an angel pass because that was awesome. <laughs> but other than that, I wasn't really into that shit, man. I was like, I don't want to hear that crap. What are you talking about? I know nice people that are Christians. I ain't want to hear that shit. But I, I didn't mind the sci-fi part of it, the science fiction part of it. I really enjoyed that. And I like that that kind of style and that, the more creative lyrics. And you know, I I, I know I know I'll, I'll step on a few toes here, but I always thought it was really. I mean, Slayer came out, okay, but then, how many clones were there? I mean, I, I don't care what people think. I think Possessed was a freaking Slayer clone. I'm like, how many of these bands gonna come out? It sound like this. I'm like, my goodness, it was just a whole herd of them. They all had the little spikes on their arm. I mean, there were vocal bands with spikes on their arms. I'm like, what is this stuff? So I, we just wanted to do something different, you know. We wanted to be original, you know. That's what we wanted to do. Yeah, man. Well, that was kind of um. My next question was going to be like the climate of the metal scene in your area. Was there even a metal scene, or was it just you guys? And did did that did that contribute to what you did? Another thing that inspired me. Now I I I, I have to say we saw them live. And I, I wish I, I don't know where they're done. I need to get a hold of you and see what happened to that demo. I like their demo better than the actual CD they released. But there was a band called Vacant Grave. And they were big Possessed Slayer fans. You know, you could tell by their sound. But they inspired me somewhat to to want to do it, too. Because we went and saw them. Me and Jeff went and saw them. And there was a bunch of bands opening up. They were all good. I don't even remember their names. But, you know, they were playing Megadeth covers, Metallica covers, whatever. Vacant Grave comes out there. I don't believe they played one cover. They might have played a Slayer, but they played all their own music. You know, I was really inspired by that. So I have to say that that's one of the local bands that probably had a really good following back in the early 80s to mid-80s that um, that I remember as being a big band. That was way before Time Gold was formed. Me and Jeff were still dreaming of, you know, finding a drummer, basically. (laughs) So, um, yeah, but, yeah, that, that band there was pretty big in St. Louis. There was a few others. When we started playing out, we played with a band called Psychopath a lot. We were good friends with Phil. They were kind of a weird, kind of a somewhat death metal thrash. I don't know. That was really in the prong. So um, we played with them a lot. And then there was a few gutted pulp later on. And there was death metal starting to come around, you know, when death metal got more popular in the 90s there. But I don't remember all the bands. But as far as the early, early, Vacant Gray was probably the earliest ones I remember. And I believe there was a band called Morbid Death or something that was pretty <laughs> early. As far as they had um, your thrash. Yeah, and that's that's something I wanted to ask you too, kind of like right in that time zone. Um, like the late 80s uh, into the early 90s, it's almost like this arms race for death metal uh, with all these albums that are now like seminal classics coming out. 
did you guys feel the need to like keep progressing and like uh like like almost like a, a competitive urge to to keep at like the um the the edge of uh, of the of, of the art of the craft back then when you recorded time ghoul we 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 were influenced by what we enjoyed we didn't really know what the, the, the death metal trend was you know what i'm saying uh, i don't know we didn't care we we really liked doom so we we of course black trouble black sabbath other slower bands i can't remember all of them dream death is that one <laughs> they were they were slow and we wanted that in our music we also wanted the mid pace celtic frost type stuff creator type riffs you know and uh, and um, believe it or not, Metallica. I mean, there's there's a Metallica riff in Gus Bond. Nobody probably realizes it, but it does one in there. <laughs> and then it goes. Da, 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 I mean, it's right after the main riff. Anyway, and um, we just went with our influences and tried. And we know we wanted when, when Morbid Angel came out. Of course, we wanted the blast beats and Napalm Death, all the bands that started the blasting. We wanted that in a drummer too. We wanted that intensity of the blast beat in our music. So that's basically how it all came about. But the early death metal releases, we liked everything, man. I, I can't name one of them. I mean, I I think Authors of Madness was a turning point for, for, for me, for just the intensity of everything. And um, I just loved the riffing and the music there. But um, that was, we created a whole album, a demo before that. So you know what I'm saying? that was really we created a lot of them songs before I even heard that so I would say the earlier thrash was more influenced in tumultuous travelings than any death metal and leprosy of course was cool um mm. I never even heard Scream Bloody Gore before that so um Nasty Savage of course I love them I don't know they're just crazy they, they were around way back in Florida scene, so they were pretty popular in the Florida scene I think yeah yeah, yeah savage. I don't know. There's so much death metal, man. I can't. I can't name them all. But yeah, <laughs> both are all, yeah. all that. All that popular stuff, man. You know, we we live in the St. Louis. It's not like I had a access to the internet where I could find all these really underground bands that may have been around back then, and all these young guys seem to think started it. I never heard of them. If they weren't on a major label or something, you know, you really didn't hear them. The tape trading got us into a few, but I mean, I, it's just it's hard to remember. It's been a long time, man. Yeah, yeah, man, I, I, I hear you. So, uh, and you know, you talked about blast beats, and um, uh, I guess eventually you guys link up with Tony Holman um, to, to form the band. Yes, I got some funny stories there if you want to hear them, man. We played, we, 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 we didn't play covers, okay? We, that was one thing we didn't do. I think we thought about doing a Black Sabbath song. I, can't, I think it might have been Children of the Grave, but don't I can't be sure on that. But anyway, we decided we didn't want to do it, whatever. We just did our own shit. So we go we go audition drummers. I mean, and then we, I remember one guy like, you guys play any covers? You guys know Slayer, Metallica? I'm like, no, we just know our own songs. We can play Gut Spawn for you. And, and the guy would just look at us like we were nuts, you know. You know, it was just, they were just, it was just, it was like, it wasn't even last 30 minutes and the guy was, you know, you could tell the guy wasn't into it. It was really difficult. And then we find some guy that we tried and he just wasn't able to do it. You know, he didn't have the skills. And then we had a guy named John Coulter, which I believe on the double record we got the song Gut Spawn that we recorded with him on there I'm not sure or Imp 1 and 2 I don't remember one of them little old four track recordings is on there he was phenomenal man he was the weirdest dude though he stunk 
and he buried stuff in his backyard so he could get the bones and he collected these bones but the son of a gun never showed up to practice but once a month maybe it was unfortunate but he was so fast man and he didn't use triggers or anything he was amazingly fast he was a and I'm like wow I never heard anybody play like that you know, without triggers and stuff, he would have been amazing. He would have been like one of the top known drummers. I mean, he would have been like, you know, he'd been like Pete Sandoval's before Pete Sandoval. I mean, he was really that good. But he never showed up and he was more into hardcore. So he wanted to do the hardcore kind of stuff. So he didn't work out and we found Tony. And I didn't realize, Tony agree probably, he was the greatest drummer. I didn't even know if he had a drum kit. But he huh. wanted to do it. We had an old crappy drum kit, which we used to record the small trees traveling. And he got on it, and he just worked his ass off. And we were like, you know what? It all made. He had a yard in that. He had a natural rhythm, which is good. Got to have that. So he started playing with us, and he he did okay. You know, we were like, cool. This is great. You know, and he wanted to blast. He wanted to play, and we just started jamming, and that's how it started, man. And then he had a buddy named Chad, and like he was living in his mom's basement, drinking a lot of beer, playing guitar, and we throwed him on bass. <laughs> and that's how it happened, really, man. And then um, they, were, they had to travel all the way out to Forestdale, which was pretty good ways to drive, to practice. And then Chad would drive Tony out there. And we practiced pretty consistently. And we are, me and Jeff already had probably three or four songs, I believe, done before we even had a band. So, yeah. And quick quick question, whatever happened to that original drummer who buried things in the backyard and all that? Do you, do you know what, what became of that guy? I have no idea. He might be in, in jail. <laughs> no, he, I think he was pretty he was pretty smart. I don't think he was like that. Actually, he just kind of one of those. He drew a lot of weird art, and he, he I, I don't know. I really don't know. I tried to look him up when we were releasing to let him know that he's going to be on his album, but I couldn't find any information on it. But, uh, I... All right, man. So, um, there, there is a video. There's a couple of videos on YouTube available, um, and 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 both guitarists are playing uh, Chevelles. I assume that's you in the video. Uh, do you know which one I'm talking about? The only live footage we have is 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 me and Jeff. I'm, and I only believe the the other lineup. I believe only played one show, and I don't I don't think there's any video of it. So all the shows, most of the, you know, you know, it's all me and Jeff. I mean, me and Jeff, even though I didn't play on Paranormal Twilight, the meat of the songs were already done. They just, Jeff just wanted his three guitars, and so he got these two guys after I had left, and he got them to replace me and play his parts that he wanted for his three guitar harmony stuff, which is amazing. But I, you know, there's many reasons why I left the band, but I don't even really want to get into that, but... It was a, it was a, it was a difficult decision for me, but it's just you know it was back in a long time ago, and this wasn't we wasn't really getting we we opened for Nuclear Assault, and there was one dude standing there, and that kind of that kind of bothered me. I'm like, man, nobody likes us. What am I wasting my time for? I was wasting like it takes a lot of time to get a band going, so I I felt kind of down about it. And I'm like, I don't know. I just a lot of things happened there. So, but anyway, bottom line is. Yeah, I don't even know what I was saying, but yeah, it was cool. Well, yeah, um, w what I was getting at was that YouTube video. Um, it seemed like you guys were having a lot of fun with it, and like your your live shows were were a good time. I just wanted to ask you about like some of your um, your best memories 
of being in the band and playing shows and, and things like that. You mentioned Dungeons and Dragons, and that, that to me sounds awesome. Um, like, what, what else do you remember about that time period? Oh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah we want we to try to be, like, brutal. <laughs> As you can tell by the videos. Uh, yeah, uh, funny things. Um, I I remember meeting uh, Agnostic Front when, they, when we opened up for Agnostic Front and 11th Creation. I, uh, I thought them guys were... Yeah, Agnostic Front was hilarious. Awesome. And they uh, they were out there. They had their fishing poles back there, and I thought that was so cool because I was a kind of a hick myself. I liked fishing, you know, hunting and stuff Whoa. like that. So they had their damn fishing poles. <laughs> that's what that's what they had done. <laughs> I guess they went down to the river and went fishing Dude. before the show, or wow. was going to go fishing or something. I thought that was funny. That's and, a uh, thing. Mike, I got to stop you quickly. We talk about fishing. I talk about fishing a lot on the podcast. Uh, and you're, I believe, the third guest now that we've discussed fishing with, along with John Pellini from Mortal Decay um, and uh, uh, Kevin Huffnagel from Gore Guts. Um, you're like the third fisherman we got. I, I, we're out here on Long Island, so I do a lot of saltwater fishing. Um, but, but that, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's like not the biggest thing I'm going to catch is a cat is a flathead catfish. That's about the biggest thing I ever caught. But yeah, yeah. Uh, the funny thing about Cycle Man, I, I I'd like to get into our image because it is kind of funny, right? I mean, Jeff, me and Jeff both met in a chewing lounge at high school, which is is chewing tobacco skull, you know, red man. So that's funny in itself. <laughs> we both chewed tobacco during the time. I quit, of course. I'm glad I did. But, yeah, I, you know, back then, we all we both chewed. Man, we'd be in band practice. There'd be a damn trash can in the middle with disgusting spit in it. We'd be jamming and spitting in it, skull constantly. And Jeff always wore a greasy skull cap. And if you watch one of the videos, it falls off his head while he's singing. That's pretty funny. But um, I got other videos. I need to get off my butt and get them on the internet. They don't sound. They sound pretty good. But I got other videos. I need to get them on the internet because they would be funny. Yeah, you do. Yeah, absolutely. You have an audience, man. There are first. Yeah, I, you know. Now I didn't realize that was weird itself when I found out that I actually had fans after twenty years. <laughs> <or whatever. laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> People like. I looked it up. I'm like, time goes all over the internet. Why? <laughs> Nobody liked us when we were playing, hardly, except for Gad's drunk buddies. Okay. It, it's a common story with a lot of bands from the 90s, man. You look on the internet one day, and all of a sudden there's a bunch of people that know who you are, man. It's crazy nowadays. Um, speaking of that, uh, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to jump in too far, but you brought it up. Um, what exactly happened? Did Dark Descent Records uh, deal with you and approach you for that re-release in 2011, 2012, or how did that come about? I, you know, I, I've seen his interview. I don't know how it actually. I think it happened with all of us, but I guess at some point, what is his name? The Cosmic Atrophy guy. What's his name? Matt. Anyway, he must have been involved with them early on in that label or knew them, Cosmic Atrophy's main songwriter. And I love that man, by the way. But anyway, that guy got a hold of me and, and pointed me in the direction of Dark Descent Records. And I believe I got a hold of Tony, and then and, and it all just kind of flowed. Tony's kind of a businessman, so I think he kind of took over that part of it. But I think I, I was talking to Matt from Cosmic Atrophy about a label and I think even um, I think there's a label Profound Lore yeah I think another one was might have been interested in us but Dark Descent was the one we went with I believe 
I kind of, I'm kind of the get, I'm, I'm kind of the get the ball rolling guy. Like you're gonna be, a, you're gonna be really surprised here in a moment. I got a hold of of Mark Riddick, and uh, he's doing some shirts for us. And I'm not gonna say what song it's based on, but it is is amazing, man. The artwork is just, it looks like Jeff was what he was. He's Jeff's gonna love it if he sees it. I mean, it looks like something from Jeff's mind. It is amazing. So he's gonna. I just I give him that because I want him to make a little. You know, he ain't make a lot of money, but I want him to make a little money, man. That guy's nice. He did our artwork for that album. It was amazing. Anyway, Mark Riddick. Yeah, yeah, classic uh, death metal artist, Mark Riddick, of course. Um, and I mean, when when that guy from Cosmic Atrophy approached you and, and the Dark Descent thing, did you just like go on the internet and you saw all of a sudden that there was an interest in that and um and all, like like did you did you have to track down the other guys from the band and so on? Well, kind of. I mean, we kind of knew each other. I mean, I always had contact with Chad. He's always been been around. I played in some goofy bands. I don't even want to tell you what they were. <laughs> Giggle Fit was one. It was like a thrash, stupid band. So I seen Chad at shows for that. But and, and other little bands I was in through the years are really just pointless. But anyway, um, yeah, so I kind of knew him. We didn't really hang out much. Um, I guess Jeff's a, a kind of a hermit. That's the only way I can explain it. I mean, I, I don't know. He just doesn't. I didn't keep contact with him for some reason. But nothing against him. I like him. It's just just kind of lost contact maybe went different ways but yeah we all got to bed and got got back together got a hold of each other and kind of we all knew where each other kind of lived so yeah yeah and um i you know it, it seems like from what you say um jeff uh is is not uh interested in reforming the band or working on new material or doing any sort of live performance uh would that be correct that is the last time i i i um, when we first came out, I believe we tried possibly to get the band back together. I was willing to give it a shot, you know, just to play some festivals or something. I mean, I'm a family man. I got to work. But, um, and he um, refused, didn't want to do it. And I believe pretty recently they were mentioned it again. Because I, I re- just recently, I mean, I can't play everything perfectly. It's been 30, almost 30 years. But I relearned all the songs. I mean, just for fun. Just for myself, and I recorded them with a drum machine. He's, they don't sound good. I mean, I just not, and they're never going to be the same. Got to have a real drummer. But I, just for my own entertainment, I did it. Just joking around, but I cannot do Jeff's vocals, dude. That's no way. I'm not really a vocalist. I'm just, my Gravelar project, I like it. It's fun for me. Some people like it. If you don't like it, I totally understand. I'm just an old man having fun. I don't really care. It's kind of almost <laughs> the same attitude I had in Time Goal. I don't really care. I'm just making music. It's fun for me. It's it's really kind of something I enjoy doing right now. But yeah, just vocals are hard to replace, man. I I had a guy uh, give me a, a recording, and, and it's so bad. It's like golly, it sounds terrible. I'm like, well, he ain't gonna work here. I just tell him, I said, man, you're not a vocalist. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just told him straight up. It was off time and everything. I was like, man, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, I don't think he's interested. I wish surprised me because the man went to musical school. So he knows about musical theory and everything. And that's how he started getting into the three guitar thing. So I figured my my I if I was him, if I was I had his brain, I would have been doing some kind of composition because that's what he was getting into. He could have been a, a you know, a composer pretty pretty much. So I really don't know what happened. Tony has kind of got a little bit more and talks to him a little bit more than I do. I do have his number, though. I, I think I am going to message him just to say, hey, man, what's going on? 
How you doing? If you do uh, contact uh, Jeff, uh, if you could extend that, we would love to speak to him as well. That would be great. Uh, just about his experience, just like we're speaking to you. Um, oh, yeah. oh, that, that would be fine. He's a great, he's a funny guy. I mean, he, he, he huh. his interviews, if you ever see any of his older interviews in a magazine, he's he's humorous. I mean, he's hilarious. <laughs> uh, I, I remember that uh, that YouTube video. He, you know, he's a pretty cra- pretty uh, casual front man, cracking jokes and all that sort of thing, you know? So. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a funny show. That was a funny show. We played in the yeah. That was, I remember that show. That's a, I, I got to get the first first show we ever played. I got a, I got a recording of it. I got to get that. I got to figure. I hope it still works. That was funny. That was a funny show. First, all oh, the first. I can tell you a story about that. That's funny. I'm all into the funny stories. Please, Tony. Yeah. That crappy drum. <laughs> crappy drum kit we had had a hole in the drum kit, right? So we put duct tape over the hole. First show we ever played. Guess what happens? His beater, the the pedal beater, got stuck. It wore through the duct tape and got stuck to the drum. <laughs> so he only had one bass pedal for a minute. Then I guess it finally resolved itself. It was that was kind of a funny story. And uh, I don't know. There was a major mosh pit, and the guy filming it got knocked on his butt. And uh, I remember one show we played, and there was people buying our demos, and they were bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> you guys okay? You know, they, they, was, they, would, they literally had blood running down their face. I guess some, you know, rough, rough people had gotten down there in the pit. But well, you know, not, 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 not that I'm trying to get into this really. But they're, they're you know, Tony being a um, African American, whatever, you know, whatever. There was a few people that I remember one show. I believe they might have been, you know, they weren't really into that. <laughs> they might have been racist. I don't know, because that might have been the actual show that that happened at. That was unfortunate. There were some pretty rough dudes in that pit there. <laughs> yeah, so I you think that there, that there was some of that? Yeah. I think there might have been some of that there, because they were laying in the floor when we first started playing. They were just laying down on the floor, laying in the, where, the, where the pit is. They were just laying there. I'm like, who are these guys? Uh-huh. And then once the show got going... Everybody else came down here and got a little more people started pitting. They started, I guess they heard it, thought we were cool. But anyway, I don't know that for sure, but you know, it was a pretty rough pit. I don't like to see those yeah. rough pits. Yeah, big, no. There's, there's fun pits, and then there's the stupid pits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely, anyway. definitely. With you on that. Right. Was, um, I, I mean, that was pretty early on for uh, Extreme Metal. Was there ever uh, any other situation where you feel like there was some sort of... Um, uh, racial prejudice against the band or against your drummer? I, I never saw much of it, you know. I, I didn't know. Nobody ever said anything to me. Nobody ever said anything to me about it or anything like that. So, uh, you know, maybe that was just the one instance. Maybe I'm just <laughs> reading something and just wonder it wasn't, but uh, I don't know. Not really. No, he was pretty accepted. Tony was cool. Tony was, was a real good guy. I mean, I, he, he, he could probably tell you more stories. He, you know, he was kind of an outcast, you know. Wasn't a lot of people of African-Americans listening to Death Metal, and I'm probably in his high school. <laughs> you know, have to yeah, I, I'm, pretty sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure I remember him saying, yeah, he was kind of a, a bit of an outcast here. Well, uh, we, you know, the, the uh, offer would always extend to him if he would ever want to talk to us as well um, and get his side of things. Oh, I'm so, sure uh, he Yeah, I'm sure he would. Yeah. He just, yeah, he, he's pretty active. He likes to talk. He has a lot of stories. <laughs> that's that's interesting, he's, man. Uh, um, more, uh, I don't I know. He's more serious. Sometimes he, he might be able to get some funny stuff out of him. But he's kind of serious sometimes. Like, 
Come on, man, relax. <laughs> takes all types, man. It takes and and dr- drummers can be intense too. I notice a lot of the time. Yeah. Oh, Tony did the art for the tumultuous travels. That little time go looking thing. He did that. That was his art. So oh, okay. Cool. He was the artist part of the man. So that was good. We kind of got that was a good deal because Jeff could draw, but he wasn't quite as good as Tony. I don't think. So Tony's art, he was kind of did the logo, I believe, too. Time to go logo, which is, it's, I, I like it. I mean, it's not as death level as some of them, but it worked for us. And, um, yeah, so he was kind of the arty part of it. Were, um, when you uh, left the band, and throughout the years, did you keep in touch with underground metal and keep abreast of what was new in the death metal scene? <sighs> Somewhat, but I kind of drifted away for a moment but um when i came back i didn't really you know i listened to i had the morbid angel Arthur's madness i you know i had that cd i had some of the older ones i really liked realm of chaos both door and all the thrash of course i had i still kept on to that but no i really didn't follow you know i never heard of demolich like everybody's liking demolich now and you know i never even heard of them when i was listening to music so i I really didn't know anything about them. They're great, but I didn't know anything about them. So, no, I kind of lost touch for a while. And then when the interest in Time Goal came back, I got interested. So I checked it all out. Now, I'm amazed. I'm amazed that these guys, that what they're doing on the guitar is, is unbelievable, really. I mean, it's almost like I want to I wanna tell them to just slow down, man. <laughs> <laughs> Move your fingers so fast every once in a while. Like this tech tap. Man, I wish I could do that. I can't do that. I can't do that shit. But man, slow down, man. Get some doom in there. Get some, just some atmosphere. Like I'll, I'll give you a band name right now. I love them. I, I, I was attracted to them by their name. And this is gonna be even people are gonna be. You like that shit? Vampire Squid. I love that name. I'm like, what? The, that's the weirdest name I ever heard. So I checked them out. I listened to it. The guys are all hooked up. They're great musicians, and they, they do have a variety. I, I like them for that style. Wait, what is the band name again? Vampire Squid. <laughs> I'm not even sure if they're a full band. Vampire Squid. Now, that, that name attracted me, so I'm, i got to check this out. All their lyrics are awesome. Their music is all over the place. It's kind of techie for a lot of you old school people. Oh, what do you the atmosphere? They know if the atmosphere is what's missing. I'm like, man, if the production was just a little raw and a little more reverb or something, that would be my favorite album probably right now because it is just insane. I, I mean, wow. it's just crazy. I never heard these guys. I'm excited to dive in. I gotta check that out. It's techy now. I'm not, I mean, and I, I don't, I don't know if it's, they have a real drummer. I think they do, but it sounds that his. Actually, the real drums, if they're real drums, they sound faker than the fake drums on my Gribbler. So I don't. <laughs> it's just weird, but yeah, but the but you know what I'm saying it's really interesting music. But yeah, there's a lot of bands like that that they're just they're just blowing up. And right now, I do a lot. Like I, I, I run the band camp for Gravelar and Time Cool, and almost all that money. I spend on other bands because that's just not, I don't need the money. I'm not I'm not doing this for a living, so that's why I only charge a dollar for the digital downloads, and I and then I I spend that dollar on some other band, you know. <laughs> but um, it's awesome, man. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's a DIY all day. I, you know, you got you, you just interviewed Phil Tugas. I mean, he's in so many bands. It's like unbelievable. How'd you say his name? The Catillus, the Catillus. <laughs> Oh, the, the the band, the Chillist. The Chillist. 
Yeah, I, I love them. I've liked them since they started. Zealotry. Yeah, great you know, Luke, Luke, How can you not like Luke Nucleus when they actually do a cover of one of your songs? I don't know if you guys know that. They did a cover of The Siege. <laughs> oh, oh that's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, they did a cover of The Siege. Uh, they, they didn't do the tremolo picking in between the chords, though. I don't know if they didn't know that, but that's all right. Ooh, Whatever. Caught them, Call them out. Caught them out here, Mike. <laughs> well, I don't want to know. No, they're cool, man. I love their, their new album. I think they're going to be great. I really do. If they keep going, they're going to be great. Yeah, they're great. I like man. them a lot. They definitely don't yeah. sound like they're trying to jump on some trend. They got their own sound. Of course, everybody knows Blood and Contagion. I ain't going to go there. They blew it up. They blew up. There's tons of bands, man. <laughs> Mike, I love well, you. Why you I mean, if you don't know who they are, and you're like, definitely, you gotta be nuts. Yeah, man, you you said it, man. You said it, man. Um, that's that's funny, man. Yeah, shout out to Blood Incantation. Shout out to Nucleus, great band I've been following the last several years. I uh, you mentioned Demolich, and I gotta throw one name at you because it's something that people frequently bring up uh, with Time Ghoul, just like Demolich. What what is your relationship to the music of Nocturnus? Did you were you guys aware of them back in the day? Yeah, we did like I, we liked them, but I have no no inspiration from them. You know why? I can't play that crap. <laughs> what the hell were they doing? It was like I couldn't play that kind of style. So I have no yeah. inspiration for. I don't think Jeff did either. We were not inspired by them in one single little bit. Okay. I can honestly say, but we did like it. We did like it, yeah. but I, I, I don't believe in me or Jeff got inspiration from Nocturnus's music at all. Um, um, I like. I know we, we 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 play a lot of chords. I know it's hard to hear. There's no production, but we play a lot of chords with tremolo picking in between, and um, that style was just what we did. And I think that was more like, you know, Trey from Mormon Angel. He does a lot of chords in between tremolo picking, with tremolo picking, but just a different style of guitar. Where Nocturnus were like, you know, they were really, I don't know what they were doing, but it was just, it was, we weren't playing like that at all. But um, I, I think Macon Delta had an influence on us, but we, we didn't really get into them till later. So maybe when we started writing for the Pan American Twilight. And maybe a little bit songs before that. If you know who Macon Delta is, the music of Eric Zan is really strange. <laughs> kind of a thrash. I'm not familiar. Could you say that band name again? What is it? Is it Macon Delta? Uh, earlier albums, the music of Eric Zan is one of them. Um, I can't remember the other one. But Macon Delta, you, you'll find it right away. They are an early thrash, I guess, progressive band. I believe they're still around at some point, but their music was interesting. They would do covers of Mazorski. Oh, I for, how can I forget about classical music? Jeff loved classical music. Mazorski, he turned me on to Mazorski. I always liked Mazorski. And the guy just passed away, Pindarecki or somebody. I posted on the Hill page, but Jeff really liked that guy. So we, we'd had classical influence too. Not the Ingray Mountain kind of classical, but... Uh, you know, I don't know how to explain yeah. it. The structure of the song. You know, Jeff would play a riff. Yeah, Nocturnus yeah, had the Yingwei Malmsteen. Yeah, it seems that you guys that. took a different no, not, like, type yeah, of That's what we didn't have. Here's what we had. I can explain it. The best way I can explain it to you. Jeff would write a riff. I would learn his riff. And then, and then I think at some point when we were first making it, I'm like, why am I playing your riff? we got two guitars here. So I would come up with something different to go behind his riff. 
kind of like classical music because, you know, you'd have the horns and then you have the violins. They're not doing the same thing. Sometimes the violin would do something. And a lot of, you know, I mean, be really, be real, Metallica did it. They had a lot of rhythm guitar and some weird lead. Even if it was Cliff Burton doing some weird thing, he wasn't following the guitar all the time. So that kind of stuff kind of inspired us to create. I think that's what gave us a different sound, too, is that we would sit around improvising, and I would come up with something behind Jeff's riff. So that's kind of how we got our sound, I think. And while, you know, while you're talking, you've already you've already said it um, once or twice, but just for the record... Um, you obviously do not play on the Panoramic Twilight recording, but you did. You, you were there for the writing of that. You took you took part in that. Yes, if you listen to the double disc, you got Project One and Two. I play on all that. Only thing I don't play on is the Panoramic Twilight. Project One and Two was me and Jeff. We went into a studio at the Webster College, I believe it was. It was free. You know, they let you go in there and record for free, so they could train the guys on how to mix and stuff and uh, I played on that and if you listen to those songs they are the meat of the songs the only thing different is Jeff added those three guitar parts in the beginning and some of the other little things but the meat of the songs I helped I, I basically had a lot to do with you know the same like I just talked to Jeff come off the riff I came up with the some I know these are a lot of octave chords and weird little things but, oh that was one kind of idea and you did an slide up and down kind of thing in one of the songs. And yeah, I, I had a lot to do with the sound, you know, of all the time goal. But Jeff, you know, lyrics, that was him. Vocals, that was him. Vocal, clean vocals, that was all him. He wanted mm -hmm. me to sing all the time. That was funny. I tried. I'm like, I can't do this crap. <laughs> trying, to harmonize, trying to harmonize him while I'm playing 100 mile an hour. I couldn't do it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's tough, man. Um... And I mean that kind of brings me to I just you know I just ask that because I want to make sure you get credit where credit is due um, in this age where, where more and more people are uh, listening to Time Ghoul and uh, revering that you know I don't really care too much but yeah yeah I noticed there's some people that they, that my name's not even mentioned on some of the little Time Ghoul was these members it doesn't bother me when I left the band I told Jeff keep it going man it's all good you know. I, you know, I was trying to do something different. It didn't quite work out for me, but that's okay. I was, I was just, it was just, I was just, you know, I tried to join the band back after one of the guys left, and I don't know. I just didn't feel it, man. We, we were three guys jamming on guitar. Honestly, I couldn't even tell what I was doing, but it was, it was a nice experience. You know, it was. But yeah, I man. like it. I mean, no doubt, and no doubt, it's, it's groundbreaking. Three guitars, whatever. It sounds great. Jeff was, was amazing. I, I really don't know what happened to it. You know, you know. Well, um, you know, what, one thing we do know is that um, in the last few years, uh, or maybe maybe further back, when do you get the idea and the inspiration to, to do Grevlar? And maybe you could explain explain the name. Let me tell you what inspired me to do that. Cosmic Atrophy. The main hey. guy in Cosmic Atrophy, Talk, talk was contacting me for a minute. Yeah, and Phil he inspired me. Yeah. Corey. 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 It's Corey yeah. in it. I'm sorry, it ain't Matt. It's Corey. Corey Rich. That guy was talking to me on the internet, and I, I, I listened to his band. I'm like, well, you know, I mean, I'll pick up guitar again. I, I never really stopped playing, but maybe I'll try to do some death metal or something weird. So I picked up my guitar, and um, and I started playing. And uh, I think some some poor down the line, I met, I, I got a whole Phil Tugas somehow. 
Tiltigas or whatever. <laughs> whatever, however you say his name. Tugas. All these bands that liked my band basically inspired me. Well, I pick up my guitar and see what I can do just for fun. Have an end-of-life crisis, as you would call it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in the new, you know, I don't have a studio or anything, so it's just me and my guitar and an amp sim. You know what I'm saying? It's not like a professional thing. It's, you know, I don't have a studio or anything like that but you know it's just fun to be able to create and there's a few people that like it that's great if you don't that's fine it's just me creating music it's fun for me well yeah I was inspired by bands that, that like my bands that's basically what what got me into doing it full circle it's pretty amazing how it kind of like goes around and comes around um, the inspiration and, and the sound in a way you know it, it's uh, it's cool and just for the listeners we always recommend to our listeners uh, the music as we go along on Bandcamp you have available from Grevlar, uh, 2018's Levitating Phosphorescent Orbs album, and just recently in 2020 you put out Disposal of Unhumankind, and I noticed there's also an, a brand new single up there as well. Yeah, well the single I just I just started writing a song, and believe it or not, this is funny, and I, I'm really on a roll here. Now lyrically, I'm having a hard time, but musically, I could put out an album every year. I mean, I have a, I, I just got through finishing a song, 38 minutes long, longest song I've ever wrote in my life, wow. and it's done. I just got to get an inspiration for lyrics. So, talk, so talking about Grevlar, um, I, you know, you say you know you record it yourself. It's kind of like a, just a purely for fun, uh, inspiration type of thing. Um, you know, you mentioned you wrote like a 38 minute song. Where? Do you have any plans for the project, for taking it to maybe like a full lineup to perform live with or anything of that nature? You know, I wouldn't be against that, but around here, I live near Des Moines, Iowa. <coughs> the metal scene is really not too good, you know, just like I said. <laughs> I, and plus, I'm 52, mm-hmm. and uh, I look 52. <laughs> you know, I'm not the kind of guy, I don't dye my freaking hair and... I don't run around, you know, trying to look metal. I'm an old man. So uh, that's just what I look like. I look like a 50-year-old dude. So um, it's hard to find somebody to jam with me, you know, and be real about it, just to be realistic. But um, I had a guitar player. He could he could play anything. I could probably fart and play a, a riff, and he could play it right behind me. But, but it's hard to find a drummer, so I'm still working on it. But, yeah, I would be willing to play a festival. I would be willing to play. I was thinking about it would be fun to play a Time Go Medley song, you know, like a like a little bit of Gut Spawn, a little bit of, um, you know, Penny Coda, that kind of thing. Mix it all into one 10-minute song or something, 15-minute song. It would be fun to do, but I don't know if that's going to happen, you know what I mean? Yeah, man. Well, you never know what the future holds, man. Um, and, uh, you know, just... just kind of uh, getting close to wrapping up but one thing I did want to ask you uh, as someone who was involved in the death metal underground scene uh, going back to the late 80s early 90s when um, you started reimmersing yourself uh, the last several years after that um, Time Ghoul re-release and you know you talked about Cosmic Atrophy and Phil Tugas and, and um, getting inspired by younger artists and things is there anybody you noticed uh, who you noticed from back in the early 90s who was still around straight through, like a band or, or just anyone who you were like, damn, man, they're still around doing it, you know? I was surprised by, uh, you know, Napalm Death. <laughs> I was still surprised <laughs> that they were still rolling. I was like, wow. 
And then, uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of bands. You know, I don't know. Morbid Angel, I guess Trey's still out there making music. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know, dude. There's so many bands. It should be like, it's like, a, I don't know. They're all doing it. I guess they all came back and did it, I guess. A lot of them came back, tried to. <laughs> I know Nasty Savage, well, Nasty Savage was one of my favorite bands as a young man. I know they tried to make a comeback, but it wasn't too great, I don't guess. <laughs> you remember they did a song with the female pro wrestler Luna Vachon? That's right. That I knew that name sounded familiar. I know they did a wrestling song. I know they had that power or power slam or whatever on um, uh, penetration point. I seen that tour too. That was great. I don't know who they opened up for, but I could care less about who it was. I mean, it might even been Testament. I'm sorry, Testament fans, but. I was Nasty Savage. I loved him. I don't know who he opened for, but I was like, yeah, whatever. <clears throat> Nasty Savage is done. <laughs> the, the guitar was weird, man. I don't know if you ever listened to to um, I listened to it today. Anyway, one of their, their second album. There, it sounds like Death Leprosy. If you put Chuck's voice in there, some of them riffs sound like something on death. Anyway, Nasty Savage, uh, good band so, to go uh, back to, just for the listeners. Luna Vachon's on the song Indulgence off the record okay, okay. that's it that, that <laughs> song yeah that song is that's, that's a great album that's a great album that album is great I mean oh. I know some people Nasty Ronnie's vocals and his lyrics are goofy as hell but he actually does death growls on that if you listen he goes oh indulgence you know it's funny it's weird and if you listen to the riffs especially in Inferno it sounds like something off Leprosy and it was a year before I'm going to. You're almost getting me to the point where I want to ask you to recommend music with that, um, but you, you got one question that you just brought to my mind. What was it like trying to go see metal bands live uh, growing up in your area of Missouri? Was, did you have to drive far? Were there venues for that sort of thing? Was there a big scene for it? There was a place called Mississippi Nights. It was great. Not there anymore, but that's where they came. I mean, everybody. I, I mean, everybody would come there. It was, it was a scene. There was a scene. They, they had shows, underground metal shows. And then there was another place called Bernard's Pub. I can tell you a quick story about that. I saw Destruction on, I believe it was Eternal Devastation. And this place was stinky, hot, sweaty, disgusting. <laughs> there was sweat slipping off of them. One of the best shows I've ever seen, man. I mean, it was, it was intense. I don't know how to explain it to you. I don't know how to explain it, but it was intense. And you know another band I saw there that's really strange band I've been playing people probably never heard of. Holy Terror. They opened up for DRI. DRI. Holy I Terror. Holy wow. Terror there. They were amazing wow. too, man. I know it was thrash, but they were amazing. They were like, wow. I'm, I'm just ashamed they didn't blow up because they were really freaking crazy intense for thrash. But um, as far as death metal, um, yeah, Mississippi Nights, they had Napalm Death come through there with um, Godflesh and I think Mormon Angel came through there. And then the Club 367 where we played, that was later. They had, of course, they had all the festivals, Cannibal Corpse, Mud Creation, all them bands, Obituary came through there. Entombed, Death. Yeah, so. Wow. And in the 80s, it was Mississippi Nights, basically, in that Bernard's pub. All right, man. Wow, that, that's, so it sounds like you got the, the tour experience that, that most people got in the major markets then. Yeah, oh yeah, there was plenty of bands, yeah. My Man of War, and about made me <laughs> deaf, but... <laughs> it about made me deaf. Jeff loved Man of War, so I've got to mention him for Jeffy. 
he loved Man of War. He was a big Man of War fan. I mean, I was kind of, uh, I kind of warmed up to him a little bit, but you know. Yeah, not, you know, it's it's not for, not for everybody. Not everybody's cup of tea. You know, he just liked that image, that that fantasy, that you know. He loved Conan. Oh yeah, he loved Conan. Conan. Yeah, he exactly. Conan. So how yeah. could you not? If you love Conan, you're gonna like Man of War. If you love wearing pelts, you know, just wear that <laughs> wear that fur. No, we didn't wear pelts. I was a scrawny, one hundred sixty-five pound dude. Jeff was burly and looked like an ape <laughs> with his dirty skull cap. Mike, do you remember what your character was from Dungeons and Dragons in the Time Ghoul uh, era? Uh, I think I I played a neutral. They called you. You had to decide whether you were good or bad. So I I was in the middle at that time. You know, I wasn't good or bad. So I was a neutral. Thief, illusionist, or something—I don't remember, man. That's awesome, I got man. killed most of the time. They killed me. On the <laughs> They're coming after you because you had a bigger side. Yeah, there was people really got into that. Me and Jeff were pretty cool. We weren't really, you know, we had our minds on straight. But man, I mean, we had one buddy, man. He's he was talking about it and stuff. Went days after we played and talking about his character. I'm like, man, what is wrong with you, man? <laughs> 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 this is just a game, man. It's not your life. <laughs> I feel Almost like I wasn't great. cool enough to even get into Dungeons and Dragons. Like oh, I was, I was that, fine, I was dude. that level before or below. You know, that's another thing. Is just, all this takes time. To start a band takes time. It, it just takes so much time from for a person to do. Which it's fun, but it, it, to get everybody together, to get a band going nowadays, kids, we've got to get together, and jam. And you got you know it's just difficult. You know another thing I see a lot of people doing playing covers all the time. I, I always sometimes I piss people off. I, I I'll, I'll say something and say, "Why don't you play your own stuff?" Like this is drummer. I looked I looked up his band. His band's great. They're better than the covers he's doing. I'm like, why are you promoting these other bands by doing covers of their music? You know. So I finally looked up what band is he in. It's called Death Spawn and from Poland. And got a little bit of that behemoth sound, but man, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, constantly. Great drummer. You know, he's got one song in a band called Death Bar. It's a great song. I love the beginning of that song. It's really got a really doomy, heavy sound. And um, I don't know. I could promote tons of bands. Of course, Cryptic Shift. I just, they're just amazing. You know about Cryptic Shift? They just came out with an album, right? Yeah, they got a new one coming out. Yeah. yeah. I think I, that's he'd be a good guy that's to interview. He's a, he'd, yeah, he'd be a good guy to interview Xander or whatever. He's a funny guy. He's, he's pretty cool. He loves time goal. I don't know why. He's way better than anything we could do. He could play way better than any of us could, so I don't know. But yeah, he's really a Voivod. He's Voivod sound and stuff he's got going on. I'm sorry, another question just popped into my head. We want to be respectful of your time here, but... I don't care. <laughs> awesome. So uh, so we're going we're gonna to keep chatting. Um, you know how long it's been you know, since I talked about metal? It's probably been 20, 20 30 years since I thought anybody about metal. I mean, my uh, wife, she, she might, she might like kill switch engage, but that's about as far as she'll go. You know, but, anyways, but here last week's last week's episode, we talked about kill switch engage actually for, for the hell yeah. first and only time. I'm fine with him, man. I actually, I, I like some of the shit. But anyway, I don't want to be, able, I don't want to be looked at as a poser. Okay, I like kill switch. Okay, no I like poses. Howard Jones. Okay, I think his voice is cool. Right. <laughs> yeah, we, Legend. Anyway, go ahead, man. We, Super we do Legend. very little fronting here, so as much as yeah. we like brutal grindcore and gore grind and death metal shit we still talk about our guilty pleasures yeah. and all that you know we're, we're all just Kill people here right that's good I like that I like that that's what I figured I, yeah, I listened to the, some of your interviews and I was like yeah they're cool 
Awesome. We, we, we appreciate it, man. And, and uh, something that we've talked about in previous interviews and on the show a lot, and something you kind of like uh, set me up for a little bit. Uh, Mike, I think you might be one of the few guests that's been able to steal my segue. Um, uh, we, we talk, you know, you talk about Dungeons and Dragons, you talk about heavy metal in the eighties, and you also brought up that you're from a fairly conservative background, uh, there in Missouri, that that's the satanic panic quote unquote era, um, of heavy metal and Dungeons and Dragons in the eighties. Was there ever like any sort of, um, pushback from your family or the local culture or, or high school or anything like that? Mm, nah, not really. I mean... Um, the funny thing about it is I never really, I've, I've, I mean, I'm a Christian. I've always been a Christian. I was a Christian in time ago. I mean, I might not have been a holy roller at going to church every Sunday, but I had that belief. So nobody really bothered me. Sometimes people make fun of me or, you know, whatever, because I went to church every once in a while, but I, it didn't bother me none. I mean, what do you expect? <laughs> it's, 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 it's just life, man. That's just life. It's just, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, I had my moments where I was like, I don't know if I believe this crap, whatever. I don't want to get into it too deep, but, you know, it's just weird the way the metal community attacks it. That it makes you, it almost turns, I, I think it almost is probably going to turn people to Christianity because why are you attacking this one religion over and over? And it's so poseristic. It's, it's, to me, it's very poseristic. If you, you know, if that's all your band is about, then you're, about, you're just as much of a poser as this Molly Crew when they wore their makeup. I mean, I, you know, that's the way I feel about it. That's the way I feel. Hate me for it, I don't care. I don't think a lot of, like, um, heavy metal fans or death metal fans or whatever concentrate one way too much or the other. I mean, obviously, we've talked to some people. Who, we, we've talked to some Christian death metal folks, like... Um, well, there's Dwayne from Vision of God Records, who we just recently uh, interviewed, and he spoke of uh, being in the band Malicious Hate many years ago, and, and now he runs a Christian label. And uh, we also spoke to... Um... Yeah, I know that label because there's a band on there that just came out. They only got three songs. I can't remember the name of them, but it's probably the only thing on there. I, I mean, I listened to some of the music. I didn't really like a lot of it, but there's this one death metal band. They're incredible. I was like, wow, where did this come from? I think I can't remember the name of it, though. I'm sorry. But anyway. The, the point I was trying to illustrate is that, you know, people believe what they believe in, and the music only goes so far. Like, people who are into Christianity will go to places like Vision of God Records to find stuff that falls suit with both of their interests. And people like Glenn Benton aren't really making any Satanists. Not really. I mean, I love yeah. Deicide. Yeah, no, it's, he's it's strange. He's, he's not exactly <laughs> you know, recruiting anyone. Here's a funny story, though, I want to tell you. We had this buddy named named Tim. I won't say his last name in case he doesn't. I don't even know where he's at. But <laughs> his name was Tim, right? He came, When we first, he was in the metal, he was in the heavy metal, venom and all that. And he said, why don't you call me evil? And me and Jeff were like, <laughs> look at each other. And I think Jeff came up with it. He said, no, we're going to call you Pusshead. And we called him Pusshead the rest of his life. We would call his mom's house, his Pusshead there. It was funny. But he wanted to be called uh, evil, you know, or some weird shit. I'm like, no. Yeah, He's going to be called Pusshead. Not a lot of people get to pick their own nicknames in life. No. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things. Mike, yeah, that's, by that's any a chance... Rule. Outside of but, death metal or not, you know, that's a rule. Yeah, I like, the, I like the fact that sci-fi is coming back and lyrics. I find them more interesting than 
burn the church or whatever shit. I, I just, I think it's great. I, I can, even if I don't like the band, I can read the goddamn lyrics and I'll be entertained by some story they're making up. I love that creativity there. And, you know, I like some of the horror, but I just love the science fiction, fantasy type stuff. Anyway. You're you're preaching to the choir on that. That's always been uh, one of my big angles um, in, in my bands and things like that. But I just I looked back at my notes because we just recently interviewed uh, Dwayne from Vision of God Records. By any chance, was the band that you liked uh, the Brazilian band Proclamus with their Dark Thoughts EP? No, oh, it's, it's, I could look, I could get if I can get on Bandcamp without hanging up my phone. But I don't know. I don't want to hang up on you guys. But um, oh no, no, it, I, I just because that was a particularly brutal band that um, had a short EP that he recently recently released. Yeah, but if you, if you want to check out a really brutal Christian death metal band, check out Proclaimus on Vision of God Records. Uh, that's, yeah, that was but, my yeah, favorite. Since you're into Christian metal, I mean, I, I Believers first three albums, Tourniquets first three albums. I mean, Jesus, man, them guys were, were they weren't nothing like other thrash bands I mean they had their own sound Tourniquet and Believer very progressive very early they inspired me on guitar so Mm. yeah I mean I just I just you know I just thought of that because that I mean that was like 90s so would it be fair to say that Believer might have inspired uh, Time Ghoul more than Nocturnus oh hell yeah for me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the sanity yes, of you heard album, here first. I mean, but besides besides Destruction's Infernal Overkill, which is totally the opposite of Believer, of course. But anyway, besides that album, me listening to that on the way to high school every day, that album was in my cassette player just as much in 1990. I mean, I I love that. Now, do we sound like Believer? Hell no. Do we sound like Destruction? Hell no. But yeah, somewhere down yes, the line. Somewhere in the gray area. I I could list a million albums, man. You know, um, Death Rose, Deception Ignored, um, Atrocities, first two albums. I mean, it just keeps going, man. You know what I mean? Those weird albums had more of an influence on me personally than anything else. You know, the bands a lot of people mention, like Venom, Possessed. That wasn't really my thing. I thought they sounded like Motorhead or something. You know, I'm like, I don't want, I I just didn't get into it. I was more into the thrash. You know, and Jeff had to calm me down. And when the reason Jeff had to calm me down because I would play, you know, crazy fast riffs that had no emotion. You know, just like, just wanting to move my fingers 100 miles an hour. So we worked together good in that aspect. He would kind of calm me down. I said, "Man, that's too trashy." I'm like, "Yeah, you're probably right." You know. <laughs> I, I, Mike, I, it's funny you mentioned atrocity. Because I gotta, I, I, nor, I normally I wouldn't do this to like name drop or whatever. I don't want to sound like that. But um, uh, Paul Riedel of Blood Incantation, uh, I you know I was just conversing with him. Um, you know we we message back and forth every once in a while, and I mentioned that I'm going to be interviewing you, and he told me uh, that he thought there was some sort of connection between Atrocities' second album and maybe a kind of uh, inspirational point for Time Ghoul. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, somewhat, you know, we liked it, whether it inspired us or not. Like I said, we wrote that music before that. When did that came out? I mean, that album was, was out after we probably wrote a lot of our music. I just think we liked, I liked it because it was kind of what we were trying to do with a better production, of course. But it was somewhat like what we were trying to get at. It's a shame that that man is, is not even good now, I guess. I don't even know. I think I can't, I don't really like him too much. Did you hear their album that they put out last year? Was it The Occultist or something? Or 
something. I, um, the name you know, escapes I know they went back to their heavier sound. I know they went yeah, back to their heavier yeah. sound. I'm not trying to down them. I, I didn't mean to down them. I just prefer <laughs> their first two albums. You know, because yeah, I mean, it's, it's weirder. It's weirder, especially hallucination. Yeah. That's weird stuff. Yeah, it's, it's it's good stuff, man. But uh, but but on that on that note, I I did forewarn you that we would ask you to recommend one classic older release and one newer release by any artists that you like um, when we start wrapping up the interview. And you already talked about a few albums. Do you want to just pinpoint another two to talk about? Oh, I'll try to mention the one that I, well, I already mentioned. Well, I won't mention Crypto Shift. I like Crypto Shift, but I'm going to go ahead and go with the new. I really do like Monotheus, and I especially like that song, <clears throat> The Great Chain at the Neck of the World, or whatever that is. It has a doom section in it. And I just told them, I said, you need more doom in the next one. And they said they got a few doom sections. I was kind of disappointed. I wanted more doom sections. But anyway, that doom section in that song is just crazy. It's slow, and then it does this black beat for a minute. And it goes back to this doom. If you haven't heard that song, The Great Chain at the Neck of Summer, it's the second song on the, on the Scourge from Monotheus. Monotheus, The Scourge, the second song. The first two songs, really, they should just be one song. That is one of my favorite death metal songs of all time. I love that song. Wow. So I have to that's give it a prop. And I know that Mikey, Mikey the Prophet or whatever, I know he, he likes Time Goal. And I can kind of tell sometimes i know he likes it stole too i can hear that like crazy but yeah i know he likes i like this at once but that song in particular reminds me of something time goal would have progressed to that song is just amazing to me i love the lyrics too they're just weird i don't know what the guy what the guy's talking about but he's really interesting and old old releases man that's so hard i already mentioned nasty savage so i'm not going to mention it again but um I don't know. Creator and Pleasure to Kill. I mean, everybody's heard that, though. Wait a minute. Let me, let me go back. I'm going to go ahead and push Nasty Savage and Dalton's album. I bet a lot of people haven't heard that. Because the name yes. is new to you. A lot, of these, a lot of these new guys probably, Nasty Savage. Oh, you were Nasty Savage. Like, you were Nasty Savage. You know, the, the name itself sounds like a, a poser <laughs> band or some, you know, or some glam band. But, you know, <laughs> Nasty it Savage. It was the 80s. It was yeah, the 80s, Savage, come on. Yeah, Nasty Savage Indulgence album. Everybody needs to hear that, to hear the riffs and how they are kind of similar to Leprosy. I, I, and then they were a Florida band, and they were pretty popular. So I bet Chuck got a little inspiration from it. And the leads, too. The leads aren't your normal Kirk Hammett-type leads. I love Metallica, okay, they got me into music, but they're different. They're really, they're more almost like Chuck leads. So you just check that out, and now that's it. Hell yeah, nasty savage man. Yeah, solid man. And, and Mike, we thank you for your uh, your recommendations and for this talk, dude. I mean, I <laughs> I real I don't know about you guys, Tom and Justin. I feel like we could talk for another two or three hours here, man. Unfortunately, we got to yeah. wrap it up. Dude, we um, keep going for sure. You, uh, you got to make it out once all this virus shit blows over, man. You got to make it out to the East Coast so we can go fishing and finish this talk, man, the proper way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. But you know, the funny thing about it, the last funny thing I'll tell you. I didn't get married till I'm 40. I still got little kids. <laughs> oh, amazing. That's great. I got a seven-year-old daughter and a 10-year-old boy. Yeah, Good for you, man. That's great, man. Congratulations, yeah, awesome, man. Yeah. God bless you. That's great. Well, well, uh, oh, yeah. Mike, I know, uh, I think I can speak for the whole uh, Heavy Hole podcast team here. We really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, you kept it real, as we say out here in New York. Mm. 
and uh, spoke your mind, man. And we appreciate that. And um, thank you so much for your time, man. Uh, any any parting words for our listeners or anything you want to plug? I know you got the, the new Grevlar material on Bandcamp and all that sort of thing. So anything, any last words or or, uh, or plugs for the listeners? Um, listen to sci-fi death metal. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Support the bands, even if you just buy, you know, I don't buy, I'm, I don't, I buy a digital download if you can't afford them, you know, and some of these bands, you need to lower the price, your digital downloads just a little bit so people can buy them, you know, you don't have to charge $10, $12 for a digital download. I'm talking to you, Cryptic Shift. <laughs> They're guilty. <laughs> I still bought it, but mm, yeah, I bought it, but... it a little bit. <laughs> But then again, they need to make money. You know, you know what am I saying? They no, do need of course, to make money. no. It's a, it's a it's, <laughs> it's a case to case basis. But I believe in that sentiment you just said a hundred percent. Yeah, sign of the times, man. That's all I'm going to promote. Support the band. They need it. Awesome, man. Uh, Mike, you're a real one, man, and we really appreciate talking to you, man. Um, we're going to be in touch uh, in the future, and uh, you know, we'll also be in touch behind the scenes about everything else, man. Thank you so much uh, for giving us your time, Mike. Appreciate you, brother. No problem. Thank you very much. Take it easy. Thanks, man. Later, brother. Michael Stevens, formerly of Time Ghoul and currently of his project Grevlar. That was uh, an amazing interview. I really enjoyed talking to Mike. Yeah, what a guy. Just down to earth. I mean, Time Ghoul is just such a uh, legacy band right now. So it's kind of cool like uh, hearing his perspective on the whole thing. Yeah, he he went through it and uh, he's, he's looking back clear-headed, you know, on the entire situation and and has a perspective on, on what's going on now, even in modern metal. And um, you can tell he still appreciates the craft, man. It was, it was definitely a pleasure, yeah. Yeah, good guy to talk to, man. Down to earth, old school death metal head, man. And um, I got to say, he actually, uh, it would be really good to get him in the same uh, conversation as Rob Settergren from Scattered Remnants. Yeah. Uh, both. Both those guys, just real down-to-earth, uh, blue-collar metalheads, man. My type of people, man. Uh, salt of the earth, as they say, man. So, um, big shout to Mike Stevens, man, uh, and and uh, and Grevlar, and, of course, Time Ghoul. We look forward to maybe talking to him in the future and talking to uh, other former members of Time Ghoul, of course. Um, and we thank him for his time. Wow, man, a uh, great guy. And he recommended, it was, I felt like he could have kept recommending albums and bands all night, man. Um... But uh, he, he obviously we had to be respectful of his time uh, and, and then go of with the time him. Goal, yeah. Respectful. But of your I time don't. Goal. I have no respect uh, for you guys' time goals. So I want to know uh, <laughs> what albums you got to recommend uh, to me, if any, this week. Uh, just yeah. caveat: I'm sitting out this week because I have been doing stuff. You're lucky that that I got two new recommendations uh, this week, Tom. Uh, coming and saving your ass again, man. Thank you. I have a new recommendation tonight. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat. Umbra Vitae. 
This is uh, Umbra, sound it out. U-M-B-R-A-V-I-T-A-E, Umbra Vitae. The new record, Shadow of Life, which will be released May 1st, 2020. So obviously I haven't heard this entire record yet, but there are two singles uh, that this band has released on YouTube and uh, a bunch of other media outlets, um, Revolver and the such. Uh, the singles uh, Mantra of Madness, which there is a music video for, and Re- uh, Return to Zero. Um, highly recommend checking these out. Uh, this is a band featuring Jacob Bannon, um, most notably of Converge fame. This is the frontman from Converge, featuring guitarist Sean Martin of Twitching Tongues and formerly of Hatebreed. Drummer John Rice of Job for a Cowboy uh, when they started getting death metal, and guitarist Mike McKenzie and bass player Greg Weeks of the Red Chord. Wow! So uh, death metal, everyone does it now. You would, yeah, you you would. I'm you would, sorry. You would say that, um, but it's, it's true now. But it's true. It's true now as it was in the '90s. Everybody fucking does it. Um, no, it was no, no. Come on. All right, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, okay. I, there's that. Yeah. yeah. Listen, this shit rips. Um, it's loose, grindy death metal uh, with melodic, di- uh, dissonant flourishes. Um, okay. Fucking do tight as fuck. H- do they, is there What's... HM2 pedal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, will. Uh, no, there's. I'm no, sorry. No. I'm sorry. <laughs> is there an HM2 pedal? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. There's no HM2 pedal. Um, okay, progressive. Pretty much what, uh, what's going on with this this sort of supergroup right here is, uh, in, in my opinion, from listening from listening to these two tracks that have come out, uh, this is this is the band that you have been waiting for. If you've been missing the red chord, um, this is like the the next progression of uh, Fed Through the Teeth Machine uh, with the vocalist of Converge. And this is the hardest I've ever heard the vocals to Converge going. Um, there's no, like, whiny cracks. There's no clean, uh, you know, hints or anything like that. Like, this man is, is pushing. He's fucking intense, ferocious, if you will. Like, all, all this kind of shit. It fits very, very well. Um, and, Will, you might want to cover your ears on this one, but listen, I'll recommend this. Well, you don't have to cover yours. Just listen. Listen to me. I'll, I'll re- this band is recommended for people that don't hate Converge uh, and miss the red chord. And I, I fall, I fall, I fall right in that little window. I right don't there. hate Converge. I, yeah. I really don't. I don't hate Converge. I, I don't actively really listen to them that much. And I, yeah. I like the red chord. The red chord's cool. I think you might, in, you might not necessarily enjoy but you would get an interest out of the, mo- the most recent converge which i think they're kind of like so it's a little more aggressive and, and they have pushed the musicality a little bit uh, at least from my experience with with converge but this super group that that has formed umbra vitae uh seems to have hit the sweet spot because it's it I, I think the driving force is the gun face riffs going throughout and that just does it for me uh, that that checks every single box of, of what I look for in metal, where there is um, a very faint hardcore influence. It's death metal, and then it's like melodic and dissonant. You know, it's it's that red chord shit, um, but the, it's got like a, it's got these different flavors from these different ingredients kind of 
uh, molded up. You know, John Rice from Job for Cowboy, uh, when they started getting death metal, uh, is a little bit more of your straightforward drummer and kind of really keeps that going, you know? Um, uh, my new band I wanted to recommend is, um, I believe it's, I don't even know how to pronounce any of this. It's, uh, they're a band from Wellington, New Zealand. And I guess they have a little bit of the local flair, I would imagine, and the way they word things. I don't know. There, there's a, some really unusual stuff going on with this group, and I had to bring it to your attention. Uh, Palimpsest, P-A-L-I-M-P-S-E-S-T. The demo is called Throwing Under, I Have Drunk of the Fountains Where Joe Cole's Room. It's a four-song, two-man project, like I said, from New Zealand. Um, it's it's like this really chaotic, kind of dark, sketchy, grind, old-school death metal thing. Most of the songs are under two minutes. Um, with like the, like the song titles are these long, kind of like poetry, prose, weird things. And they're longer than the songs, like to say. Uh, it reminded me of like clotted symmetric sexual organ in this weird production value way, maybe mixed with the communion from Long Island, which is just uh, right there. It's like this blackened, sludgy grind, like sludgy in the production. Tempo-wise, it's, it's really like blisteringly fast with kind of a black metal vibe, maybe almost like an old repulsion autopsy of a really raw weird stuff just a short four, four song demo that was released today on 420 um palimpsest uh if that's how you pronounce it from new zealand bizarre bands some, some use of samples and kind of weird atmosphere weird noisy band uh and hard like a kind of like a weird darkened avant-garde grind thing going on hard to describe will how do you spell um, that p-a-l I-M-P-S-E-S-T uh, from New Zealand and they have a band camp which is available cool yeah really interesting stuff and it's a quick listen so I, w I would say check it out for something new you know what I mean So I got one class. I had to go hard since this is the Time Ghoul episode with Mike Stevens. I had to recommend something really hard from back in the day and fairly obscure. I think it's come to light a lot the last few years. I've talked to people about this album. I've even seen people wearing the shirt here and there. Um, Gutted, Bleed For Us To Live 1994 album that came out on Red Light Records and has been reissued uh, in a couple of different formats on Repulsive Echo Records. Um, gutted from Toledo, Ohio, the Bleed For Us To Live has one of the most amazing album covers 
in death metal history, in my personal opinion. Uh, if this album cover was a book cover or a poster for a movie, whatever it was, I would have to read it. I'd have to see it. It's an amazing album cover. And the album is a few years ahead of its time. It reminds me of kind of like that um, typical Ohio death metal, um, uh, th that Midwest sound. We talked a lot about United Guttural in, in, in uh, the history of this podcast. Flesh Grind comes to mind. Dead In, bands like that. Um, uh, maybe even Broken Hope. Uh, things of that nature. That American mid-90s brutal sound. I feel like Gutted was a few years ahead of the curve on that and set the standard very high. Uh, and it's an interesting band because it was mainly made up of three brothers. Michael Ditch on guitar, who unfortunately passed away in 2014. Mark Ditch on bass and vocals and keyboards. Scott Ditch on drums. And Billy Mills on guitar, who I don't know if he was related in some way or not. But three brothers in this band, one of whom unfortunately has since passed away. Um, originally named Demigod and changed the name to Gutted in 92 and came out with this gutted uh, Bleed For Us To Live album, which is just uh, its an amazing classic of brutal American death metal. Um, from a, Like I said, from a few years ahead of its time. And um, I can't recommend it more to our listeners, uh, especially if you like some of those bands we've talked about. And quick note, um, the one guy, Mark Ditch, who was the bassist, vocalist, and played the keys, he's actually got a fairly new release with his band, Notara, N-O-T-A-R-A, called uh, We Are One, and that's got members of Descendant, which is another classic 90s band. <clears throat> so uh, this band descended from Ohio in the 90s. Uh, some of those guys got together with Mark Ditch from Gutted to make this uh, Notara band, which you can find online, and that's really good. Maybe a little bit more um, atmospheric and doomy than Gutted was, but I gotta recommend that Gutted Bleed For Us To Live. And if you're curious what one of the guys is doing now, definitely check out that Notara We Are One release, which I think is from only 2018, fairly new. And the whole lineup is made up of kind of classic 90s death metal musicians. So um, so that's my kind of like old slash new recommendation uh, for tonight. So I guess we'll play a little bit of Gutted. Yeah, I definitely second this one. I listened to this album earlier this week. Kind of small world stuff. Check it out. If we could just play a, cl a quick clip of that Notara We Are One uh, featuring Mark Ditch, formerly of Gutted, I would appreciate it. Tara, uh, kind of under the radar band with some classic 90s musicians in it. Um, if you want to talk classic 90s musicians, we had Mike Stevens from Time Ghoul on tonight. Great guest. Really appreciate his insight on things. Hell yeah. What a fun time. Great conversation we had with that dude. 
Uh, I'd like to get his perspective on uh, just about anything uh, going on, man. We might have to, we've been talking behind the scenes on Heavy Hole about getting some past guests back um, to maybe discuss uh, things that have gone on in the scene and, and uh, since that, since the interviews, man. So we're, we're going to be going, going trying to do that for the listeners in the future, too. And Mike is definitely on the list there, man. Great guy to talk to. Hell yeah. So thanks for listening to the Heavy Hole. We, we had a good time here. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. So check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash heavyholepodcast. And then also the website that Justin has so kindly put together for us, heavyholepodcast.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can still buy those sticker packs. Uh, I understand they're flying off the shelves and supplies are limited, right, Justin? That's right. Uh, promo code is uh, allegedly get yourself 10% off, but I'm going to cancel that promo code uh, as soon as this episode is released. So this episode will be released on a Friday. Um, the Saturday, it's done. No more allegedly promo code. It's going to change. And you'll find it out next week. So for one entire, one entire week, you'll have to pay full price, you fucking jabronis. Yeah, um, you, you guys that have been hoarding the sticker packs in this quarantine have fucked it up for everybody. All right? Now we got to do away with it. Yeah. yeah. How much real estate do you have? Were you just sticking all over the fucking place? You're putting me out of all of my stickers? I don't think they're using so. These, they're using I'm these changing it toilet up. Paper. I'm seeing the G right now. Changing the game. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so those sticker packs. Uh, this episode, as of today, is the last chance for that promo code, which is allegedly. Um, That's right. And, and then I'm done with you. I'm done with you. Yeah. There's there's nothing alleged about the fact that the promo is over, and you're gonna pay full price from now on, cheapskate. You're lucky you made it to the end of the podcast because if I talk to you in the beginning of the podcast, I say, "Don't fucking listen to this. I don't want to even. I don't want to oh, know your ears on this. I don't want to know your ears on this. Got Put it, your ears away. All right, listen Tom, to something else. Tom, bring us out. This is getting crazy. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. Goodbye. One zero. <laughs>